0: everyone, this is Alexandra Perry and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily Podcast. Joining me today is Britton Ryle. Britton, how are you?
1: Doing great, thanks.
0: I should call you Britt. You prefer Britt.
1: Oh, no, it's fine either way. I usually go by Brit. It's shorter.
0: We have a lot of exciting stuff to tackle in this podcast, uh, but first I wanted to give the investors a better understanding of your history and investing style. So, Britt, you've been investing for over 18 years. You're the head editor of the income investing newsletter, Wealth Advisory, and Real Income Trader. I wanted to know what made you decide to focus on income investing instead of something more speculative, and what kind of investments do you help your subscribers focus on?
1: Well, um, you know, first off, I do speculative investing too. Um, You know, I trade options and, um, you know, small stocks uh, for my own benefit. Uh, the reason to focus on income investing is just because it's really the only sort of uh, guaranteed way to really make a lot of money in the stock market. If you're investing on the for the long term with good dividend stocks and reinvesting those dividends, I mean, you're going to double, triple your money, quadruple your money in a in a very like definable amount of time. So it is, um, you know, it should be a cornerstone of people's investment strategies. It's fine to do other stuff, but you know, you should have the bulk of your money focused on. You know a real long-term plan for growing that money you know like a retirement savings account or something along those lines
0: so would you say that one of your services focuses more on retirement than another is we um well
1: yeah sure wealth advisory is definitely um, more like retirement stock focused um, you know there we try to find great American companies that are gonna you know grow and grow their dividends you know, as as far out into the future as, as we can possibly see, um, real income trader is a it's a bit of an offshoot of that. Uh, we sell covered call options on stocks that we own, which is also a very like conservative income strategy. It's not, it's not what you'd call uh, risky in any way.
0: In your experience, do you feel like investors know how to properly approach retirement?
1: Uh, I mean, I think of people. I don't. know, Not really. Let's just say not really. Um, some do, some don't. Um, many people um, really just rely on employer-sponsored plans. So you just put a certain amount of money away, pick a couple funds, and let it go with that for however long you know, you're know, you working for somebody. I mean, they'll, they'll let it go for 20, 30 years sometimes.
0: Could you do a more sustainable retirement outside of your employer?
1: Oh, I think it's critical to do that. Um, and and uh, one big reason is because of um, you know, some tax benefits that you get, for instance, if you have a Roth IRA, uh, you can put up to i think the cap is 5500 bucks a year now into one of those 5000 5500 something like that and when you go and it's it's after tax money so you're going to be paying taxes and it's like sort of out of pocket money but when you go to take your money out of that it's tax free so you can grow your wealth for 20 30 40 years and all your capital gains taxes, like you, you won't have them. You can grow your wealth a thousand times and you'll pay zero tax. All that money will be yours. I mean, that's like one of the greatest benefits that uh, you know we have today as investors. And I, it doesn't seem to me enough people take advantage of it because it's a wildly powerful option for uh, any any individual investor.
0: I've seen a lot of companies working with it from the more speculative, like Bitcoin IRA is a company that works with uh, Roth IRAs for digital currency, so you don't want to pay capital gains on. Yeah. big gains down the road which i know has been a big issue with that is tax Heck reporting yeah. do you feel like there are good sites and um, ways for investors to get kind of introduced to roth iras well the thing is
1: any bank that you are banking with is going to offer uh, ira retirement accounts i mean it's just another account if they have brokerage services they have them and you can start them with very little money down probably less than 500 bucks and uh, you can buy individual stocks in them and just hang on. to so them. like, you could buy Starbucks and hold it for the next 20 years, 30 years. Um, a lot of different stocks you can have in there, Netflix. Um, it's one of the nice things when you have a, an employer-sponsored plan, you don't have that many options, and it's all like ETFs and stuff. So it's not going to ever really outperform the market. You're not going to hit home runs in those. A Roth IRA is, a, is, a, is an area where you can do that. Like, you can own individual stocks, Apple, whatever, that are going to go up or that are likely to go up. Apple maybe not so much anymore since it's come along so much, but I mean, there's a lot of emerging stocks out there, uh, younger companies that have a lot of growth in front of them. And you can have those in your, in your Roth IRAs or your traditional IRAs.
0: To bring this back around to your actual wealth advisory services, um, you know, do you kind of work with companies and help investors find companies that would perform well in that kind of environment?
1: Um, Yeah, that's really what we're shooting for. Uh, We figure that, you know, most people have their, the bulk of their um, retirement investing handled through their employer-sponsored plan. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. You know, your employer matches your money, you get it taken out pre-taxes, and people just people get into those plans Uh, we like to be able to offer something for the people that have you know maybe they're a little bit older maybe they've got some money put aside maybe they're really starting to stare at uh, you know retirement in the face who um, are looking for some options they've got some extra cash to invest and you know they're looking to to do something on their own plus I mean you know it's kind of fun to take a little control of your of your financial life you don't want to just leave it all in the hands of Vanguard and, and American funds
0: or do you have favorite stocks that you've seen perform well in those settings in your services?
1: I mean, yeah, sure. We've. Uh, I mean, we we had um, Micron Technology in the portfolio from um, about 15 bucks. I think we sold it around uh, low 30s, maybe, I and mean, we did really well with that one. Um, we had held Boeing for three or four years. Um, I think we made like 250% on that. Um, you know, plus the, the dividends that were going along with it. Um, some there's some data centers out there that are like really great investments these days. For uh, individuals, pay great dividends, and there's just massive growth in uh, in the amount of data that's going across the inter- internet. I mean, it's going to triple in the next like two years, and uh, almost all of that, you know, content right now is coming out of data centers. That's where people store it. That's where companies link to the to the larger internet. So, um, you know, those companies are a a sweet spot. There's some really great ones.
0: So the topics that I wanted to talk about today are, one, algorithm trading, and secondly, ETFs. First, I think it would probably be beneficial to actually explain what algorithm trading is, because before you introduced the concept to me, I was unfamiliar with it. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't know.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the algorithms are kind of like... It, you know it goes sort of hand in hand with uh, what's called high frequency trading a lot of people have heard that and it gets kind of like a bad rap um, because you have companies that are you know trading super fast every half a second or whatever um, and they're basically scalping stocks for you know a penny here a penny there like they'll and they also you know pay up to get closer to the exchange so they can see orders faster than somebody else and they'll so they're scalping like you know pennies here and there. Do it enough times, and, you, and you're talking about a lot of money. It's a massive source of liquidity for the market. Something like seventy percent of trading now is is uh, computer driven and high frequency trading. Um, it gets it. That stuff gets a bad rap. I'm not so sure it's all that dangerous, you know, because they're not. It's not like they're holding stocks for a long period of time. They're just trading in and out, so that anytime you want to sell a stock, you, you know, chances are you're selling it to a high frequency trader who's immediately turning it over to somebody else, and so. Uh, it's uh, it's it's like an it's like a brave new world out there, you know. Things things sound a lot more uh, complicated than they than they actually are. One thing I do notice about uh, algorithm traders, though, is that they they uh, usually run with a pretty clear bias, like they're either bearish or bullish, and you can it's pretty easy to sort of see which direction. Um, you know, a particular stock or even the market in general is getting pushed, Uh, you know, just look at the S&P 500 over the last eight months. You know, it's been just a steady climb. And that's because, you know, the machines are all on buy. That's just what they're doing. Um, So you have just a steady rise. And, you know, that makes it, in some ways, it's a little bit comforting, I find, because you can clearly see where they're you know which direction they're going you know a company like nvidia or netflix you know some of the fangs uh alibaba they've just been under steady buying for for months so when you can start to recognize that kind of pattern at least from a trading perspective you know it's kind of
0: reassuring
1: can, yeah yeah reassuring sure that's a that, that, that's a good word for it uh it will be interesting to see what happens when they turn bearish you know because yes, it that will happen say. it will happen. Um and, we'll, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some kind of flash crash uh, when it does happen, like, May 6, 2010, I think it was, when the Dow was down 1,000 points in about 20 minutes. Um, just because all the machines are selling, none of them are buying. Like, they're, they, they're not putting in bids. So, the price just falls and falls and falls.
0: Are but, there kind of indicators that you <coughs> are seeing, like, if you're looking at these?
1: No. Yeah. That one, I mean, that one... <laughs> You knew there was something coming just because, you know, the markets had really topped out. Um, they'd been flatlining. So you knew that there was probably some selling going to come. I mean, that's that's true, you know, anytime. You know, momentum wanes, stocks go flat, and then you get some selling. Some news sort of propels it to the downside. That was a, a you know, that first flash crash that we had was a very unique event. We'd never really seen I mean, you've seen events kind of like it, but that one was, was stark. Some, some stocks got driven down to, like, pennies um, because there were no bids. Like, mm-hmm. no one was putting in an offer. So the machines would say, sell at 10 no one will buy it. Sell at 9 no one will buy it. Sell at 8 no one will buy it. And they just keep probing, you know what I mean? Probing price lower and lower until, you know, they get into, the, like, a dollar. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, the New York Stock Exchange reversed a lot of trades from that day. Because people were buying. I mean there was like like, I can't remember the name of the stock. There was one that was like a sixty dollar stock. Somebody bought at like a dollar and a quarter. And they were like, yeah, no, that's that's (laughs) you can't you can't have that. Sorry. (laughs) That's
0: a bargain price. I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to be in the five dollar bin.
1: Right. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was like, yeah, misplaced into the five dollar bin. That's exactly right. That is exactly right.
0: So you've seen a rise in algorithm trading, and another thing you saw, you told me that you were seeing a rise in was um, ETFs, and for people like very new to investing, what is an ETF, and why do you think more investors are flocking to them right now?
1: Well, an an ETF, it stands for exchange-traded fund, right? And uh, what what an ETF is supposed to do is it's supposed to be a group of stocks. That uh, replicates, um, you know, an industry or sector like on the S and P 500 or or someplace else that you can buy just as a stock, right? So you can buy. There's a biotech um, ETF, for instance, right? You buy the biotech ETF just like a stock, uh, and it's gonna ha- and within it it has. Uh, biogen allergen cell gene you know all the big biotech stocks you can just buy them in like one lump basket right that's what an ETF is Um, if you have a employer sponsored uh, retirement plan then you have been confronted with ETFs because that's what they offer Vanguard American funds Um, all the offerings are like global you know small cap Um, American like blue uh, blue chip dividend stocks you know U.S. energy stocks. Like they have categories basically, and you're buying you know just a big basket of stocks within uh, those those categories, right? Um, the issue, how as I see it, I mean, well, let's 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 back up. The attractiveness of that is that the the fees are very cheap. You can buy a big swath of um, you know a, a sector that you like. You can buy the S and P 500 itself, and your, and your expense fees are very low. Um, you know, under a percent, like a tenth of a percent, twentieth of a percent, um, they're they're very uh, they're very cheap. The problem with those uh, ETFs, as I see it, is that probably a few problems with them. Uh, one big one is that so when Vanguard goes to replicate, um, say, you know, uh, an ETF that has uh, oil stocks, they're not going to they're not going to pick and choose which stocks go in there, right? They're going to take just the biggest ones off the S and P 500. Put them in this fund, boom, and then it's going into your retirement fund. Like, that's the one that you're, that's what you're going to pick. They don't have analysts looking at each of these companies individually. So, if there's an issue, if there's an Enron in there, they are not going to know. They're not going to discern whether there are uh, problematic stocks that they're putting into these ETFs that, you know, you're then putting into your retirement account. And um, as I see it, that is potentially a very big problem.
0: So just to clarify about the Enron statement, because I know I, I personally had to look up Enron. What happened with that stock?
1: Oh, well, it was a it was just a completely fraudulent company. Mm-hmm. Um, they were an energy trader. It was right when um, uh, utilities got deregulated. And so utilities could, you could, what's the best way to say it? You could be, a, it used to be that utilities generated and sold energy, right? And mm-hmm. they just did it in their own region. And that was it. And they got deregulated. Um An energy, a utility in Maryland could buy energy from a utility in California and deliver it to, to Maryland customers, right? This was sort of a new thing. And so Enron sort of pretended that they had this phenomenal method for always, like, buying the cheapest energy from wherever to deliver to their customers, and it seemed like... Uh, they were profiting and growing but it was it was really all a scam they had they were a bunch of shell companies within the company they were buying the, like in one part of enron was buying from another part of enron and saying they were making a ton of money but but they weren't and the, whole <laughs> they were just just, the whole thing each just the whole thing just fell apart yeah they weren't they were it was like a, it was a total lie i mean and the CEO, I think, killed himself after that. Like, it was a you know, it was a disaster. It was a train
0: wreck of a company. It
1: really was. Yeah, the, um, a total means- fraud. Um, you know, the, the bigger advantage of uh, an ETF is that you, you you don't have to worry about, like, single stock risk, right? Yeah. Like, say you pick—you know you want a tech stock. You know tech stocks are doing great, and you pick Microsoft. Well, then what if Microsoft misses earnings next quarter? You know, you're going to get hammered for 10 20%. Where if you bought, you know, the whole— you know, a broad swath of technology stocks through an ETF, that loss from Microsoft isn't going to look so bad. And you're going to benefit from the Googles and the Apples and all the other stocks that are doing fine. Um, you know, that's the that's the benefit of them. Um, it, it lowers your, um, your single stock risk. Um, the risk of ETFs, you know, as I see it, is again that the companies aren't really analyzing um, Stocks that they're putting in there. Like, suppose you buy a big um, energy ETF, right? And it's all oil stocks. Well, if you had done that in 2014, you know, right before Saudi Arabia, you know, flooded the market with oil and prices crashed in half. I mean, you're you're going to be in a bad way, and this is your retirement savings. You know, this is like important. It's important to have this have this be right. And so, I think ETFs really make it. It's easy to make a really big mistake with, with ETFs. I think the small mistakes are probably not as likely, but big mistakes are, because again, Vanguard's not gonna tell you, ooh, things don't look too good for oil these days. Like, you know, yeah, so like if, suppose there's a retail ETF that you've had in your, in your portfolio, I mean, retail is undergoing some, some like really challenging periods. Uh, it, if you'd bought one a few years ago, you wouldn't be doing very well now. You're probably down a lot. And if you bought one now thinking that maybe retail's, you know, shaken out, maybe it's ready for um a rebound, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But again, Vanguard's not gonna they're not gonna tell you any of that kind of stuff. They're not gonna give you a hint as to um as to what's uh, a good idea and what's not a good idea, where where it looks like there's growth and where there's not. And so you know, I'm looking at one particular sector right now that I see in a lot of different retirement income funds, uh, a group of stocks that I think is very much under threat. I think they're very, um, you know, cornerstone of their business model is being threatened. Um, they, they traditionally pay really good dividends. Um, they've had a virtual monopoly on their market for a long time. I think that's changing. And I think it's because of the proliferation of, um, you know, like distributed solar companies creating their own electricity. I mean, if you look around um, Apple, all their data centers, they get all their power from wind and solar. And it's true for Google. It's true for Facebook. And, uh, you know, as I see it, there's one group of stocks that are very much threatened by this that are in a whole lot of retirement funds that are gonna have serious problems over the next couple of years. I'm seeing, I, I think there's a, I think some of these stocks could get cut in half. And again, this isn't something that Vanguard's gonna tell you, they're not doing analysis on the stocks that are in their, that are in their funds.
0: So Britt, I know you talk about what stocks and these stock groups that are in danger in um, your advisory service, the Wealth Advisory. But um, before, because I know we're not, we don't really have enough time today to go into all that. I know you have a presentation coming down the pipe um, that I will make sure to include in the podcast link below. But the um, I wanted to hit one last point before we close the podcast, and obviously, we talked a lot about the dangers that come with ETF and algorithm trading increases. But do you see this affecting the general market um, significantly in the coming years?
1: You know, the algorithm trading not so much. I mean, I'm sure we'll have some um, I'm sure we'll have some downside uh, due to it, but that's just a normal you know swing of the market. Um, you know, with uh, with ETFs, it's, it's a bit different. Um, you know, the the group of stocks that I'm looking at that I think are in big trouble, yeah, I think that's going to be a big problem because I don't think they come back. I think their, their business model is liter- literally under attack like, you know, Blockbuster was when Netflix came around. You know what I mean? People thought Blockbuster was still a great stock until, you know, holy crap, their business has just been completely annihilated. You know, the same with... Um, you know, BlackBerry phones when the iPhone came out, like they they were just done. Um, and I think that's I think we're building towards that scenario uh, with this group of stocks. And again, they're pretty prevalent in um, in many retirement accounts. You know, if you have a four hundred one k or an IRA, if you have Vanguard and American Funds, you probably own some of these stocks. Like you probably have some. And um, and yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it can knock the you know, I think it can knock the Dow down twenty percent, thirty percent when this happens because when you know, you get a big when you get a big sell-off going, it tends to snowball. Um, it tends to affect you know other other stock valuations and people's just willingness uh, to invest. So yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a pretty big deal when um, when this thing starts to get rolling.
0: Well, I think it's definitely. I mean, you hear this story preached to you constantly. You know, buy the disruptor, um, sell the disrupted.
1: Yeah. Um, but I don't yeah. think
0: people often talk about the disrupted until it's too late. Right. Like you know, you pick up on the emerging technologies, you pick up on the industries that are. Taking off, but you don't recognize that there's another industry dying in their shadow. Yeah. So it, it's definitely like a conversation that investors should be thinking about and should yeah. be constantly assessing when they're looking at their portfolios.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good way to put it too, because this group of stock stocks are the disrupted, and then they're the ones whose business model is getting attacked, um, like right now, and getting and getting undermined. And uh, yeah, and it's a good way to look at it. And I don't hear anybody, you know, talking about it at all. So hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> I can help.
0: Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, oh, sure thing. For everyone listening, we will include a link to that presentation when it becomes available. Keep an eye on Wealth Daily for that. Um, keep an eye on our mailings. You're welcome to subscribe to our free letters to view these presentations. And I will speak with you next week.